Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 412. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. How you doing? Yeah, I know. You know, doing all right. All right. How you doing? Doing okay. Doing okay. Uh, coming off of a huge migraine last night, so I'm recovering from that. But otherwise, yes. um, I'm wrapping up my Tribeca stuff, so I'll be getting into that later. Now, this week on the show... We'll be reviewing the horror thriller Sensor. We'll also be going over this some of what we've been watching on the watch list. And this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. Just uh, one bit of housekeeping. Uh, the new Save by the 90s should be dropping later this week. Uh, we are talking about legal thrillers this month mm. so we got a bunch of john grisham stuff in there including the firm the rainmaker we got the pelican brief and then it's not a grisham but we got a few good men in there also all right so that was that was a fun week you know the crazy thing is i realized that i never saw any of those movies like some of them i could have sworn that i've seen before like a few good men but then as i was watching it i started to realize like i think that i've just seen clips and maybe part of it on tv but i don't know if i've ever seen it in its entirety oh so it was a definitely an interesting month because i'm pretty sure i didn't see any of those movies <laughs> so stay tuned for that uh, with that, I think we can jump into our review. We're talking about Censor. This is co-written and directed by Frano Bailey Bond. I have a synopsis here. After viewing a strangely familiar video nasty, Enid, a film censor, sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves the line between fiction and reality. Oh, Look boy. out. Look out. Oh, uh, so, Kevin, you were pretty excited for this one. You, you were pumped. I was. I was. So, we'll... Just up. We'll start Just with you. This is, a, this is a theme that I think that both of us are, are interested in. I particularly love the subject of film censorship. Even when, mm -hmm. when I was in college for a short time, I even wrote a paper on film censorship. And I just... Uh, I love the subject. And especially yeah. like video nasties, I think that the whole video nasty era was so fascinating. So anytime there there's a, a movie that tackles the subject, I'm I'm all about it. But we'll start with you, Kevin. It, well, it, it sounds like you were pretty jazzed up too. Uh, oh no, I definitely was. I was super jazzed. Oh man, super jazzed so, about this movie. <laughs> tandem jazz. So we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of Sensor? Uh, I just I I was really excited. Uh, I just I like the idea, you know, the premise of this of this movie. Now, I was a little bit leery about the whole, you know, uh, that that line between fiction and reality melting because we've seen a lot of those movies. So I was a little bit worried about that. But I like this angle of coming at it from the, the film censorship, the video nasty angle. And I thought that that would make it, you know, fresh. And uh, I have to say that for the most part, it was. It was. I, I really like this movie's style. Um, I could have used a little bit more in terms of um, just like mind fuckery. Mm -hmm. Could have used a little bit more more in that in that realm. But I really, really appreciated and found it refreshing that the again the the biggest the biggest worry for me the trepidation that I had was the whole the line between fiction and reality and i did enjoy that the majority of this what it built up to is very uh there's a lot of ambiguity in there where you just really don't know what the hell's going on at the end outside of you know some developments you're you got those are solidified but then there's a certain point where it just breaks and i found that really refreshing and mm -hmm. i enjoyed that yeah, and that and it's so many of these movies, I think that that's where they falter, is in that in that ending, sticking that landing. For me, that it seems like they always try and like wrap it up in a little bow, and that's like 
I never want that. And I'm just really happy that I didn't really get that here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I also like, again, just reiterating the, just the theme. I love everything that anything that deals with like the video nasties and censorship and stuff like that. I, I liked all of that stuff. In fact, I probably could have just done with a movie that was about this woman who was struggling to like keep her sanity after viewing hours and hours of the, this, these violent things and, and stuff like that. I liked the mystery aspect of it too. I was very intrigued to see like, like a, the, so the premise is like, she she sees a movie that she believes is her sister who went missing when they were children and when she sees this it starts like evoking all of these like memories and stuff like that and she starts trying to seek out the creator of this film and and the actor who she believes might be her sister and i like i liked all that stuff uh when the blending of like reality and all of that stuff happens like the fiction and reality probably could have done without that. Actually. I, I, I don't know it like you, I was just getting tired of that whole shtick. Now I, I do like where they went with it though, where this movie gets pretty meta. Uh, and I actually was surprised that they, that they went meta with it and i was like oh shit you know this is kind of fresh like this is kind of unique yeah i mean what essentially happens i don't think this is i don't think this is a spoiler but the movie basically turns into a video nasty and so i kind of liked that whole angle so yeah and i I like it so it worked for me for the most part and i like that the the whole blending or you know the the dissolving of the line between fiction and reality. It, it's, it, it's very minute. So like it, it doesn't take up a large portion of this movie. Like it's not so many of these movies are of this ilk are like, that's a, such a good chunk of the, of the runtime is like, is it happening? Is it not happening? Is she crazy? Like this, it's just like, she's breaks and she now believes that this is the reality. That's it. You know, and it's it's a it's a small chunk. Yeah, it it happens in the, in, in the last act. Like it's it she she pretty much stays stable throughout most of the whole movie, except at the end when she finally cracks. Yeah, yeah, and she just you know she comes to believe something that you know and it's just, may or it may not be quite, true. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't work out for some people. <laughs> And others, maybe it does. I don't know. But I do, I like that too, in in the sense of her being a film censor, the video nasty, and like a, a thing that kind of, that I like that they took the angle with is that because of, during that time, it was all about like protecting people because if you watch these things, you, you'll do these things. Like it, it's going to affect you. So I like that uh, Billy Bond took the film censor that has to watch all of these and it, and it affects them because if you think about, you know, if that's their argument that, Oh, you know, it's going to affect people and it's really going to fuck their brains up. Like all the people that have to watch these movies in order to censor them should be completely irreparably damaged. They should just like their minds should just be melted and they should just be like complete psychopaths. Honestly, because like right there is your 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 scientific experiment. You can right. just use them. Like you could just go in and be like, okay, these people that are in charge of this are they absolutely out of their minds? Are they hacking up people on the weekends, smashing faces with sledgehammers, decapitations, eye gouging, that type of thing? No, they're not. But I like that this movie is like, well, maybe they are. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I just I like I love that I love this whole idea of like oh okay yeah the people that are going to protect us from all this nastiness in in media the, they're the ones that are affected. I just like that there was there was once a, a list there was like a list of movies and you didn't want your movie to get on that list 
or else you were screwed. I just like that whole concept. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of people, that list was like a watch list for them. (laughs) Like, yeah, like you want to see, you want to see everything on that list. Oh, yeah, you do. And I, you know, and I just love, I mean, they don't go into it enough for me. I could have used a little bit more of this of like the, like their, their justifications for like the eye gouging scene and with like why it should be cut. And then there was other scenes where they're like, well, you know, it's kind of silly. So we're not going to cut that, but this is a bit too realistic, you know, that type of thing. I found, I, I find all that very interesting, you know, the mental gymnastics that you have to go through. Uh, to justify leaving in some things and leaving out others. It's just, it's, it's a really interesting time. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a profession that we just don't really see anymore. I mean, there's probably some other, some countries that still have sensors, I would imagine, but the, yeah, Yeah. uh, but, but like, as we know it, it's not something that, that exists anymore, certainly in the UK and in the U S yeah, I just like the I, I like the 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 idea of of uh, an entire group, an entire facility of people whose job <laughs> it was to cut movies and censor them. Like, I just think that that's so inherently yeah. fascinating. Yeah, because it's insane. Like the way it's presented in this movie, what is it like six employees, if that? Yeah, just watching movies all day. Which is funny because that's the other thing that I think is really, really interesting is you have these these directors getting censored and the people that know most of like about their careers and like their progression, like from film to film are these censors. Like they know every like inside and out. Yep. Like even because the public doesn't get to see everything that these guys get to see, which is really, really fascinating to me as well. And they have like all of the records and like like that giant records room that they have that has like all of the the films and all the information and stuff. It was like IMDb before IMDb existed, you know. <laughs> it's like just giant archives of films and stuff. I I think is any any movies that that deal with this subject matter, I'm like instantly gonna be into. I think. Yeah, and I like where they took it. And I th- again, I really like the like the visual style of this blending, like the the video nasty aesthetic, you know, the VHS aesthetic into the movie itself. Yeah, and weaving between you know between the two. Yeah, they. I, just, I found it very entertaining. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, they um, they would switch up the aspect ratio during those scenes, and like I don't know, I was a little bit conflicted about how I felt about when they would do the the video nasty portions of it because it didn't quite it was it was shot the same way so like as far as like the film the filming of it it was shot they made it look like there were like VHS like tracking things and stuff but it was still shot on film but then they also pinched the aspect ratio so it was like Maybe if they shot that stuff on VHS, it would have had a bigger impact rather than shooting it on the same with the same cameras that they shot the rest of the film on. Yeah. But yeah, I liked I liked all that stuff regardless and I think that yeah, that again, it was a surprise to see that they took sort of a meta angle with it and I I liked that as well. So it, it, yeah, this is one that worked for me too. Felt felt a little uh, influenced uh, by Peter Strickland. There's it seemed seemed like there was some Strickland influence in here, some Berberian Sound Studio, Duke of Burgundy style. So if you've if you've seen any of of uh, Strickland's movies, you'll find a very kind of a similar aesthetic in Censor, which um all about so yeah i think like in closing i wasn't disappointed i also wasn't blown away but at the same time this is something that was like oh okay billy bond i'm very excited for the next film yeah i'm very excited to see what the next one is it it should be noted that this what this is a debut a feature debut from her so i think that uh i'm definitely 
interested in in what what she has coming out next because yeah de- 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 definitely definitely intrigued love the style love the style all right let's go ahead and give it a score also great poster by the way love the poster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's go ahead and give it a score kevin what are you gonna give sensor out of 10 uh i'm gonna give this like a uh i want to say like a seven and a half all right Seven for me on this one. Uh, check it out. It is playing in theaters as well as on VOD right now. Ooh. So, uh, all right. Let's move on. Talk about some of we're watching. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been cranking out some Tribeca stuff this this week. Last two weeks, really. Uh, so, <laughs> just gonna just gonna go over some highlights. Um, there's going to be written reviews for most of these movies that I'm going to talk about up on the site if they're not already up. Uh, first one I'll mention is Agnes by Mickey Reese. Now, uh, I, I'm actually admittedly not super familiar with Mickey Reese. Like his movies, I've always been aware of his movies because he's he's a pretty prolific indie filmmaker, but I've just never seen any of them. To be honest with you, like. When Climate of the Hunter came out earlier this year, I know that you and I both oh, yeah. were planning on watching that, and we just we didn't for whatever reason. It's on Shutter now, by the way. I wanted to oh, watch nice. it. Maybe I'll try to watch it today. But um, at any rate, uh, Agnes is his latest. It is screening at Tribeca. What this is about is a a nun in a convent gets possessed by a demon and a sort of uh, down-on-his-luck, disgraced priest is tasked with going to the convent and exercising this demon. And it's, it's a really interesting movie because the first half plays out like a somewhat conventional possession thriller. And it's awesome. Like, it is really... It's, it's really good. I mean... These possession movies are a dime a dozen. We've seen a ton of them, but the way that this was written, the dialogue, just every, everything about it, it was just, it was so good. So bleak, and I, I loved every minute of it. But then, halfway through, the movie takes a complete 180, and the whole thing changes. And it's like, it's like a different movie altogether. And it was such a bizarre decision. And the weird thing is, like, the second part... It also works like it's also really good, but it just for me didn't really live up to that first that first half that really strong first half. So in that regard, it's like a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, like it's definitely something different. Like it's not anything that yeah. I've, you know, it's it's unique for sure. Uh, and this no. really makes me want to see more mickey reese stuff so agnes is one that i could maybe give a light recommend as long as you kind of have an idea going into it i think if i knew going into it that there was going to be this like major tonal shift and i could like sort of mentally prepare for it uh it would have been a little bit easier gotcha gotcha uh i watched chopping mall oh nice from 1986 First question, why, and this is weird to me because I've never seen Eating Raul, but for some reason I just instinctively knew that those two were from that mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Why are they in this? It was just a cameo. Okay. Because I was like, oh, maybe this is directed by the guy that made Eating Raul. It's not. Nope. I just, and I was just so perplexed. Yeah. I think it was, but, I think it was just like a fun cameo. It's just, Yeah. And I love that it's the banner image on Chopping Mall. And, and it's, I, I believe they played the same characters, too. Yeah. Like, like they're the, the and same And they talk character. about their restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. But uh, this movie is dumb as shit. Just fucking stupid as hell. And I loved it. Yeah. I, I absolutely loved it. It makes no sense. There's no reason that this mall needs these robots. Uh, like... The amount of money that went in for the because it's not just the robots that monitor this mall, they have like this huge, very advanced, 
like centralized location that like controls them, which had to cost a shit ton of money. These things have lasers for some reason. They gave them lasers. <laughs> yeah, they can murder. They have tasers. I mean, I like I was on board. And I was like, this is just silly nonsense, and I love it. And then the laser thing happened, and the one woman gets hit with a laser, and her head explodes. And I was just completely bought in at that point in time. As soon as her head exploded, because they shoot a couple lasers at first, and it just kind of burns them. I was like, oh shit, they have lasers. This is pretty cool. Laser hits her in the head, right in her face. Head explodes. And from that point on, I was just like, I don't care where they go with this movie. I absolutely love it. And this is going to be a great time. I can feel it in my bones. All of them. And that's pretty much what happened. This is just, it's insane. This is an insane movie. Yeah, I I really love this movie. This is like, I don't know why, man, but... This is just one that I I've revisited this multiple times. I just I freaking love it. I love the uh, the marketing material for this because it has like that like demon robot hand thing that is not even in the movie at all. Like the marketing. This is yeah. back. This is back when movies like would have posters that have nothing to do with the actual movie at all. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like I I literally did not. I didn't really read about this movie. I just knew I see Chopping Mall all the time in terms of like classic horror movies right so i'm thinking okay it's a mall it's a slasher flick and you know people probably some guy with an axe or something people are stuck in a mall that's what it is and it's not i was so confused at the beginning but i was just like okay i guess this is what we're doing yeah <laughs> uh they look like doctor who robots or something <laughs> it's oh my god it's insane. And of course you have the wonderful Kelly Maroney and Barbara Crampton in there too. So, Oh yeah. I mean, great just, cast and Dick Miller in a it's, little bit of a cameo. It's just, it's hilarious that they decide to have a party inside the mall in the furniture store. And they weren't planning to be there after hours, which makes no sense either. <laughs> I just, it's just insane. It's just insane, and because of that, it's a great time. Yeah, definitely check out Chopping Mall if you haven't yet. Because I gotta say, like, if it made like just like one iota of sense, it would be. I would hate it. I just love that it's committed to just being absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Yep. Cool. Uh, that's on Shutter, I believe. So you can yes. check it out on there. Um. One interesting one that I saw was Ultrasound. This is directed by Rob Schroeder. Uh, it is it's based on a on a novel, I believe, but this is sort of a sort of a sci-fi bit of a mindfuck type movie. Uh you it opens with a guy who his car breaks down and he ends up finding this this house that's nearby. Married couple lives there. They allow him in, and things are a little bit weird. Uh, this couple's a little strange. And then all of a sudden, the husband asks him to sleep with his wife. And like he can't fulfill her, her desires anymore. And he's like, hey, can you just do me a solid and, and you know, just spend the night with my wife? And he's reluctant. He's very reluctant at first, but then he eventually does it. And the next morning he wakes up, nobody's there at the house, so he leaves, he goes home, he gets his car fixed, I guess, I don't think they really show that, goes home, and then the guy shows up, and he's like, how the hell do you even know where I live? And then all of a sudden, the woman contacts him too, and she's like, she turns up and she's like eight months pregnant, and he's like, okay, this doesn't make any sense at all. And then it sort of um, spirals from there. Things start to get even weirder. There's like a lot of reality breaking things that start to happen. And then you all of a sudden you see um, that this guy is in a wheelchair and he can't walk. And it, but he's in this like facility that's like run by um, Tunde Adabimbe. 
and there's a lot of weird, strange things happening. I don't know how much I want to give away uh, because it plays everything very close to the to the vest, and you, and you don't really know what's going on until towards the end. It gradually unfolds, and you're just like, oh, I see. But there's lots of uh, kind of realities folded onto each other, and you don't know quite what is real and what is not. Um, but... It was pretty fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. Again, it's called Ultrasound. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, I watched the X-Files movie from 1998. Oh, okay. Directed by Rob Bowman. I yeah. finally got to the end of uh, season five. And I started season six. Episode one, season six. Started up, fired it up on the old Hulu machine. And, uh, you know, they do the, you know, on last season of the X-Files. And during that, like, recap, they folded in the movie. Some, some, yeah, some stuff from the movie. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I don't remember. Like, I just watched the end of season five. I don't remember any of this shit. Like, there's a giant spaceship out in, the, like, the middle of the Arctic. I don't remember that. So, jumped on the phone real quick. Look it up. I'm like, oh, shit. This is, I had a feeling this was going to happen. I was going to miss it. But this is when we're supposed to watch the movie. So course correct rented the x-files movie on uh, amazon prime for four dollars unfortunately but uh i'm cheap four dollars is too much and uh i mean it's like it's like a two-hour episode of x-files which it's that but at the same time it's a far bigger budget and they do a lot more with it and and for that i enjoyed it you know, that's what I wanted anyways. I don't want them to stray too far from the, you know, I enjoy the X-Files. I want it to be the X-Files. I want it to be familiar. I want it to be lived in. And that's exactly what I got. It was a great, you know, extension, uh, development of the that that arc that's been going over all the seasons. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Got really into it. And it's just, it's ridiculous. This show is so stupid ridiculous the only thing that kind of bums me a little bit is the a lot of the there's a lot of episodes i just hate the way they write scully in a lot of these you know i guess it's just a product of the times yeah where I she's just so. like she like she never remembers fucking anything <laughs> you know like and it's just not talked about and like the very next episode even though she met aliens she shook their hands she fucking gave him gifts or gave him CPR or some shit. The very next episode, she'll be like, I don't know, Mo. I just don't, I don't believe. I just don't believe. You're telling me there's aliens? I don't think so. And it's like, you fucking held a fetus in your hand the episode before. Come on. Get with it, Scully. I know. You're uh, heading the game. God. All right. Uh, let's see X-Files movie. I remember like not being really that impressed with that. <laughs> But it's fun. That's the one with That's the bees, fun. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You bees pop out. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I saw a movie called See for Me. This is still Tribeca. It's directed by Randall Okita. This is a. Uh, it's a bit of a thriller. It is about a, uh, a a former Olympic skier who is blind. Uh, an accident has left her blind and she does like house sitting jobs just for extra money. She's kind of, she doesn't really know like kind of where she's at with life. She's just gone through the motions at this point that the fact that she's, she lost her sight really kind of fucked her up. And so she uh, is house sitting for this, this rich family. And it turns out that, uh, a group of thieves break into the house to rob it. So it's, it's sort of this like cat and mouse game where she is trying to navigate through this mansion, but she's blind. She's never been there before. She's, so she doesn't really know the layout or anything. And what she, she ends up using this app called see for me, which is basically an app where 
you hit a button and it connects you to an operator who looks through the camera on your phone and can navigate you and help you out. And it turns out that the person that she is like connected with is this young woman who's like a first person shooter nut. And so she uses like her first person shooter skills to help her like hide and run and, and like attack and do different things because it's basically like an FPS, you know, she's seeing through her eyes essentially as she's holding up the phone and it's like a first person thing. So she'll like give her directions as if she's like part of her squad in an FPS. Uh, It's good. It's, um, it's pretty exciting. There's, there's some really fun moments. I mean, it it certainly is reminiscent of that. uh, I believe it was a Mike Flanagan movie, hush the one where the woman was deaf and there was a home invasion and she was, she had to contend with a home invader while, while being deaf. Uh, this one very similar, but there's some kind of interesting dynamics at play here. Uh, you find out some secrets about her, and there's some slight twists that happen that that keep it fresh. Uh, I I enjoyed it. Uh, it's it stars Skylar Davenport, who is um, I believe who who does have a uh, vision impairment, so. It wasn't like it was just some random actor pretending to be blind. It was an actual vision impaired person, which I always appreciate anytime they they do that in a movie. I think that that should be I think that should be the standard now. But yeah, I I appreciated that. And uh, yeah, so I I would give it a light recommend. Again, it's called C for me. Okay, Uh, I have a. A recommendation that's Hopscotch from 1980. Ronald Neem directed Hopscotch. This is uh, Walter Matthau in a later role, and uh, he plays the CIA operative Miles Kendig, who essentially gets uh, Ned Beatty is his, his boss, who uh, Ned Beatty just recently passed away. R.I.P. Ned Beatty. Uh, he's his boss. He th- really doesn't like the way Walter Matthau does things. Walter Matthau from like the, the old school way of doing things, and Nick Beatty's he, he's new school, you know. So he gets kind of pissed off. So essentially, what he does is like, I'm just going to put you at a desk until you finally retire. Just retire, old man. And uh, Walter Matthau's like, okay, yeah, that, that sounds great. And what he ends up doing is globe trotting around the world while writing a memoir, uh, essentially uncovering all of the CIA's like failed attempts at you know overturning governments assassinations that type of thing like all the all the dirty laundry all the skeletons in the closet not just from America but also Russia uh you know England like everybody and he's sending it out like every week he's sending out more transcripts new chapters and you know the CIA is fucking infuriating and they're trying to catch him and it's just him being a dick, really, to the CIA. And it's uh, it's a good amount of fun. It's just him outsmarting them constantly, game of cat and mouse. And uh, it's re- it's it's enjoyable. It's a fun little movie. Nice man, Walter Matthau. What a career! Just looking through yeah. his filmography and I mean, here. And if if you're someone like me that likes Walter Matthau, you're gonna enjoy it. It's, I mean, it's classic math out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, the math out lemon combo can't be beat. Oh, and this one has young Sam Waterston. Waterston oh, wow. plays like he's like they were really good friends, and then Sam Waterston is essentially like his replacement. But now he's got to, you know, track him down. It's a, uh, it's, it's a good one. It's fun. Grumpy old men. Remember grumpy old men? Yes. Oh my god. Uh, I loved those movies. <laughs> grumpy old men. Oh man. Good stuff. Uh all right. Let's see. I saw The Novice. This is the movie that won the narrative film award at this year's Tribeca. It's directed by Lauren Hathaway. This is about a 
uh, college freshman who decides that she wants to join the crew team. And it turns out that she's got a, got some issues, got some major, major obsessive compulsive type issues. And when she decides to join the crew team, she just, I mean, all in, all in, it, it just consumes her. And she just wants to be rowing all day, all night, rowing nonstop, learning the techniques, learning the times that she needs to get. Just if she's not sleeping or studying, she's rowing. And it's kind of a story of just, it's a character study, really. It's, it's just her, her trying to get on the varsity team and stopping at nothing to do that and like the 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 sort of the hell that she puts her body through to get there it sort of reminded me of whiplash a little a little bit in how it was how it was shot very frantic i mean this movie is just it's fast like this movie just moves at a breakneck pace like everything is just coming at you a hundred hundred miles an hour and I think that it works within the the themes of this movie. I think that uh, some movies it wouldn't be something that I could really stand. I think that I would get really annoyed. And this movie does straddle that line where it's sometimes you're just like, all right, I, I need a break. I just need a break from this. This is so intense. Uh, but it doesn't let you breathe. I mean, it's just a movie that goes and goes and goes. And I mean, I think that that's very intentional. It's quite well shot. I love the aesthetic. It has this kind of dreary look to it. There's like no color in this movie at all. Um, the I don't know. I think it's a fictional college, but I'm not sure. The college has this like very industrial look. Everything is sort of concrete and very plain looking. And I, I love that. It's raining through most of the movie. And it's quite quite good uh isabel Furman is the lead and you may remember her from the movie orphan she plays the the girl in orphan oh, okay yeah i think this might be the first time i've seen her since that movie uh, but she does wow. a fantastic job in this she is so good in this like i think that she has a super bright career ahead of her because she is like i mean she knocks it out of the park. Just incredible performance. So I definitely recommend The Novice. It's just, just know that it's, it's pretty intense going into it. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, the only other thing I watched is Sound of Metal. Mm, okay. So much talked about. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, God, what did I watch this on? Prime? Yeah, it's an Amazon it's movie. Prime. Yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, I, I, for the most part, enjoyed this. I, again, I, like everyone else said, just to reiterate, you know, the sound design in this movie is without a doubt the highlight. Uh, they really took, they really handled their business there. And especially with, with the, what this movie deals with, you know, this heavy metal drummer losing his hearing. You need that. And they do a great job of it. Uh, the performance is good. You know, Rizamit does a great job. Um, the only thing is, is like, you know, it's just, it's kind of a, it's a tidy little film, you know, the developments, the resolutions, you know, they all, you know, exactly what's going to happen, but the way that it's handled, I think elevates it from just being absolute mediocrity. So overall, it's a solid film. All right. I still haven't I don't, seen what, this. I just, I wasn't blown away like some people were. Um, like the way that they shot like him, like drumming, you know, like when they're on tour and he's playing was, was really interesting. And then that all just kind of like, it's just off to the side. And then it's, it just becomes this really like quiet, um, emotional you know, like him coming to terms, like he goes through all the stages of grief. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. And that's why I kind of avoided it. Cause I, I I, I like, 
felt like I knew what it was going to be before going into it. Yeah. And the other thing that they do is he plays a guy that's a heroin addict that's four years clean. So what they do is he now becomes an addict for hearing. You know what I mean? Like mm. he's going through every everything that you would see someone fiending for heroin. He's fiending for being able to hear again. So they go they go through that whole route. So like all of these things are kind of you know they're telegraphed. Like once it's set up, you're like, okay, well I know how this is going to play out, and it plays out that way. But the sound design and his performance keep it from being you know just like oh. That was all right. Yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, the, the I'll end on a twofer. Uh, these are both playing Tribeca, but it's interesting because they're both essentially the same movie. Uh, they're both documentaries. One is called The Kids, and the other one is called All the Streets Are Silent, The Convergence of Hip-Hop and Skateboarding, 1987 to 1997. Is that? <laughs> That's the title. Can you... I hate to do this to you, but can you say it one more time? Sure, yeah. Uh, All the Streets Are Silent, The Convergence of Hip-Hop and Skateboarding, 1987 to 1997. Okay. So, uh, both Both documentaries are about the 90s skateboarding scene in New York City. Obviously, the second one with the long title also incorporates the hip-hop scene in the 90s. Yeah. Specifically, like, the kind of underground hip-hop scene that was that was starting to, to blow up. You have, like, uh, super early performances in here by, like, Busta Rhymes, Jay-Z, Wu-Tang, uh, certain uh, there's there's like a lot of djs that they incorporate in here like stretch armstrong the second one is a much more polished complete documentary whereas the first one specifically tries to look at the movie kids and the culture surrounding kids and the making of it and and like how the movie affected the the kids in the in the movie who were involved in the movie, like Harold Hunter and Justin Pierce. And the problem is the other movie, all the streets are silent. It also does that. Like it talks about Harold Hunter and Justin Pierce and both movies clock in at about 90 minutes. And the other movie, all the streets are silent is way more cohesive. And it presents a much more complete timeline of events and how like these kids, this relatively small group of people um, helped shape pop culture. And I think that it's the the second one, all the streets are silent does a really better job of conveying that Uh, because they also talk about like Supreme and like when, you know, Supreme first opened and it was basically just a skate shop and how that blew up in Zoo York and how the Zoo York mixtape, when that came out, it like pretty much revolutionized how skate videos like street skate videos were made. And if you remember back during this time in the early nineties, like skateboarding was pretty much dead. Like nobody like there, there wasn't really a really big skate skateboarding culture anymore. It was, it was sort of, it went mainstream and then it sort of just fizzled out and the 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 street skaters in New York were like some of the people who brought it back, and um, the the weird thing is in the kids it tries to take a much more pointed look at the people, and look at like the effect of that, and it also kind of criticizes Larry Clark and it criticizes Harmony Korine for sort of exploiting them and then abandoning them after the movie was successful and they got lots of money and fame from it. And, um, it, the weird thing is like, it felt really one-sided. Like they, they only interviewed people who were sort of the tertiary characters in the movie kids. Yeah. And they, like they didn't get Leo Fitzpatrick. They didn't get Rosario Dawson. They didn't get, uh, they didn't get Larry Clark or Harmony Corinne, but the other movie, all the streets are silent. They did get Rosario Dawson and Leo Fitzpatrick to talk about being in the movie and the effect that it had and all of that stuff. And just the, the, the general scene back then. 
So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of unfortunate that both of these movies are coming out side by side because I feel like one is like way stronger than the other one. And the crazy thing is like they both use some of the same archival footage too. So it's they're super similar, but one is just like unmistakably better than the other. Mm. Anyway, if you want to check one of them out, I would say check out All the Streets Are Silent because that one it has some really interesting stuff in it. Really good interviews. You have Moby's in there, and then you have like Fab Five Freddy, Kid Capri, Cool Keith is in there. Lots of uh, lots of skaters from in New York during that time. So and ton, tons of really great archival footage and and performances from some uh, notable hip hop groups and stuff like that. So yeah, you'd like it. Okay. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Fast or F nine opens, mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's that's the big one. That's really the only thing. Just just F nine. Yeah, you can't fuck with F nine. Nah, no. The few the few things that are opening are just gonna get out of the way of that one. Uh, VOD this week we have. Uh, let's see. Finding Ophelia. That's on the 23rd. Uh, and then on the 24th, we have LFG, which is on HBO Max. That's the documentary about the uh, the U.S. women's soccer team. Okay. We have Sisters on Track, and that is going to be on Netflix, also on the 24th. That is a... I believe that is a... Is that a documentary? I, I think that's the docu- a documentary about uh, two girls who are on a track team. Mm-hmm. On the mm-hmm. 25th, we have Too Late. We got My my Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Uh, we have Gaia, which I would recommend. We have Sublet. We got Kenny Scharf, When Worlds Collide. Okay. Kenny Scharf. Kenny Scharf Dog. Not sure who Kenny Scharf is. I think he's an artist, right? I have no idea. Kenny Scharf. I think he's an artist. Scharf. Scharf it up. Scharf. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a. Yeah, he's a. He's one of those artists. The Warhol types. I. It's just. I just. I can't stand this stuff. Uh, let's see. We also have Crimson Gold. That's going to be a virtual theatrical release coming out. I think that's like an older movie that's being re-released. We have Lanxy coming out. The Evil Next Door. And it looks like that's about it for VOD. On Blu-ray this week, we have Nobody coming out. If you haven't seen that yet, I would recommend it. Half-Baked from 1998 is getting a new release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I kind of feel like I want to revisit Half-Baked. I haven't seen that movie in years and years and years. Let's see. We have Years of Lead, five classic crime thrillers. That's going to be an Arrow release. Yeah. Yeah. The Italian. Yeah. The Polizzi. Yeah. Yeah. That looks pretty damn good. Some classic Polizzi movies, which I'm a pretty big fan of. So, Oh, yeah. This this shits are entertaining as hell. I love them. I, I, I hope that that new... That new Danger Diabolic movie's coming out soon. I'm really excited for that. Uh, let's see. We have Strike Commando from 1986 and Strike Commando 2 from 1988. Nice. Man, Strike Commando duology there. Got uh, Irizumi from 1966. That is another Arrow release. Fool for Love from 1985. Human Nature from 2001. That's oh my god, you remember that movie? I do, I do remember that movie. <laughs> Holy shit. That's that's on that Shout Selects line. Wow. Human nature, man. As the uh Michelle Gondry Charlie Kaufman movie. That is when whenever someone is discussing Gondry or Kaufman, this movie is never discussed. Nope. It's just it's been <laughs> erased from people's minds yep produced by spike jones i mean 
Come on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We have a bunch of Studio Ghibli stuffs getting re-released, including The Wind Rises and Secret World of Arietti. Um, let's see. Chain Lightning from 1950. Siberia. That's the Abel yeah. Ferrara one. All right. With Willem Dafoe. Uh, let's see. The Unholy. Got Hunter Hunter. That's the one with Devin Sawa. Oh, Nick no. Stahl. That was actually pretty good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Pretty good. I think Saul was making a comeback. Watch out. Paper Tigers coming out. Recommend oh, hell that. yeah. Hanger from 2009. The two-disc collector's edition of Hanger. Hanger. Never even heard of this movie. Uh, uh, let's see. Feed the Gods from 2014. Night of the Sicario. From earlier this year, uh, Camino from 2015. That's pretty much it. What about Criterions? Uh, we got two. One is Visions of Eight. So this is uh, the Olympics, Munich, 1972. They had eight filmmakers make their own little thing for the Olympics. So you got like eight different films on there. So you got that one. And then you have the signifying works of Marlon Riggs which is, I think, about seven, seven films, two-disker. Mm. Yeah. All right. The, uh, the Criterion's actually starting to put out some more uh, black film. Yeah, I, they have some more coming down the pipe, too, I noticed. Yeah, they have that, that Van Peebles, uh, mm-hmm. that box set. Yeah. They're really starting to, they're going hard on the box sets lately, I've noticed. Is, uh, this, is Visions of Eight, are the films in this included in that massive... Remember that massive Olympics box set that they came out with? You know what? I don't know. Because that was like every, you know, from like the beginning of the Olympics, you know, whenever they started filming. Yeah. The whole, yeah. So I would imagine that that has to be a part of it. It would seem weird to not have the Munich Olympics eight films from the Munich Olympics in that. I mean, that, that box set was huge. It was like 30 yeah, some was, movies. It was like it was ridiculous. ridiculous. That was a massive box set. That was crazy. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be super helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.